I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires, land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. I have the honor and the privilege of having Lily Mendoza as my guest host with me today. And Lily is quite an accomplished woman. She has two businesses. One is called Word Carrier Trading Post, and the other is Birdcage Bookstore and Mercantile. Lily, she is enrolled Cheyenne River Sioux and grew up there and now, Lily, that's, you know, I'd like you to tell me about yourself. And and was you born on the reservation? What was your early life like? Sure. I am enrolled um, on the Shine River. And I actually was, I was born there um, at the old agency. I think I probably was the last group of babies that was born in 1958 before they flooded out the old agency. Oh. And yeah, yeah. So I know, I know that um, there was my mother and several of other her, of her friends. Um, you know, there was a whole group of women that were pregnant at that time, of course. Um, and so it was that time that there was the last of us babies that were born along the Ocean, by the Cheyenne River. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. and how was your childhood there? Well, you know what? I actually just don't remember a lot, you know, because I was I was pretty little, and you know, I, I the things that I do remember um, during that time, you know, is going going to my my grandmother's and just hearing stories about my great grandmother, Julia Boucher. Those stories continue to, um, I guess, to be with me as I um, continue to grow up. Oh, okay. Can do you mind sharing a couple of those stories? Sure. Um, I think one of the stories that really sticks with me is sort of um, I shared this with people before when I spoke is that I seem to have um, this relationship with my my great grandmother Julie Boucher, who I, I never really knew, but it seems that some of the work that she's done in community has I don't know come through me and runs in my blood. I remember one of the stories that really sticks with me um, is the story of her um, cooking a meal for what my mother would call the renegade Indians. Oh. Yeah, that were um, running, running from the white people, you know, just to to escape from them and to be able to go and, you know, go freely amongst um, our lands. Sure. And. Yeah, and um, so she tells the story of they came to their home outside and um, near Whitehorse 
Whitehorse, South Dakota, and I don't know if many know where Whitehorse is, but it's out in the middle of nowhere, you know, past Cheyenne River. And their home, um, what we called was the flat, which was which, which was up on top of, um, you know, climbing up on the plains and up on the flats there. So so anyway, these uh, Lakota, they weren't even Lakotas. I think they were maybe from, they were Cheyenne. Um, they could have been Crow. Um, they were hungry. And so she she cooked for them, um, had made a meal for them, and they um, spent the night camping out on, out in the yard on the grounds there, fed them, and then sent them on their on their way, um, and you know just kind of helped them with things that maybe they needed with extra blankets and blankets and those sorts of things, and, and those are the kinds of things that she did. My great grandmother. And so that's that's one of the stories you know, that I've always carried with me. You know, I I think about you, and and uh, we really haven't known each other for very long, a couple of years. And but what I know of you is you like to feed people too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at at your store at the Birdcage Bookstore, I know often you'll have feeds, and that is a native that. Lakota tradition to to feed okay. others and make sure that they aren't going hungry. I I know I grew up with my aunt Joe on the Pine Ridge Reservation. She had a big ranch and she was known as a wonderful cook and I'd like to say that I learned how to cook from her, but I was more the the what is that shoe chef where they're they you know oh, peeling yeah. the potatoes and oh things. yeah shoe chef. yeah yeah <laughs> I never really got to cook poor Wayne when we got <laughs> married I wasn't really a very good cook although Aunt Joe had the reputation of being the best cook on the reservation sure but yeah but well that's really a nice story can you think of another one well, the other thing is, you know, with her is that she, when we talk about food, she really, she fed community on a regular basis. And she really, really helped community as well. You know, stories that uh, men in the community that maybe needed uh, gloves for the winter or gloves for, um, for, for their work. They would come and, you know, chop some wood for us and I'll give you a new pair of gloves so that they would have for the year. And then she would also, you know, cook. She would cook for them um, as they did chores for her on on the ranch, you know, cook soups for them and bread and then give them, of course, glove, work gloves and cigarettes. That's how she she would she would pay for pay them for the work sure. that they did and they all they all were welcome to that because they needed those kinds of things, you know. Oh yes, when when my uh, when I first started living with my aunt Joe, they had hired men and they paid them five dollars a day. And back mm-hmm. then, that was quite a lot of money. I mean, they were perfectly happy with that. I, sure. I'm thinking, you know, Lakota Link. What I want to put out there is the Lakota values and. One of them is very important, and that's generosity. And now I know how come you have that, see? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, would you, you know, I I did invite you to share a little bit about how we got acquainted. 
and how important it vision, so to speak, that you have, you know, for what you've put a lot of work in about and how it came about? Sure. Um, yeah, and I and I think, you know, knowing you, Sandy, and I guess kind of getting to know you, uh, I think, first of all, was through art, you know, because I, I, you know, I've been involved in, in art, especially with um, Northern Plains and, and having a presence there with, with my book business and supporting, you know, supporting artists as well. When I, when I do those kinds of things, and um, I always make sure that I have a, a pretty good collection of art. I know that when I'm out there um, as a vendor at these events, I really kind of to look, look to the artists and, you know, make sure that they're taken care of by buying, buying art. And I think that's kind of one of the ways I've gotten to know you, not necessarily buying your art, but seeing you there. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and that relationship then um, also that you've had with um, my friend, my friends, Jim um, Yellowhawk and Ruth Yellowhawk, who is now gone. Um, I think I kind of got to know her through you and, and the kind of person that you are and the good person that you are. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the other ways, too, is that, you know, um, all of this, it all comes back around, you know, and, and I say that. Um, you know, with, with the learnings that were that I were taught, I was taught from my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, um, and, and working community, helping in community, and being a good relative. You know, that was a that's a big part that I that I learned. And so when I began to do work in the area of um, one of the other things that I do is work in the area of missing and murdered Indigenous women, children, and two spirit. It kind of all just came together. And that was about three years ago. And and I share with those who are listening is that was another way that I've got to know Sandy, knowing that her sister, Donna, was, you know, um, one of those that was missing and murdered fairly, I think it was what, in the 19... 1968. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of how I got to know you, Sandy, too. And just to let people know that are listening is... Um, um, working in the area um, of missing and murdered Indigenous women and and founding the Red Ribbon Skirt Society, I've got to know a, a lot of a lot of families. Those families, I guess, coming to our society, um, coming to to myself and sharing their stories of loss. And um, I think that that built a really you know safe relationship with myself and Sandy understanding and um, I guess in a way supporting that grief that you know yourself and others go through your entire life oh uh, even though it's been over 50 years uh, Mm -hmm. it never truly leaves you and I've I don't know why I decided to call you that night (laughs) (laughs) except I had just something told me to call you and and you just listening to me because that was something that I had a very difficult time talking about. And sure. you know, my my family knew about it, but as being a kind of a public person and being an artist and a business person and stuff, it wasn't something that I shared very often. But sure. there was a release there when I did, mm-hmm. and. It made an impact on my kids, too, because even my um, three kids, I didn't talk about it much. I mean, Mm -hmm. they knew they had an Aunt Donna, 
but be, the circumstances were so horrendous that I just kind of didn't. And, you know, they're older mm-hmm. now. They can handle it. And, and before I presented it publicly, I talked to them and kind of conferred with them because that's part of their history and their family. And I, sure. didn't, I didn't want to just say stuff, you know. Yeah, but, exactly. But they were really supportive on it and of course my husband he was has always been we were actually going together when this happened Mm. and I knew he was the right man for me because he he was there for me it didn't scare him off you know sure sure and uh but I would kind of and I say this in the utmost respectful way I I would kind of say that Lily you're you're an activist. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, you know, I think so. You know, I just kind of always like, what is activist? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And then I, I guess, as, you know, as I begin to begin to do this work, you know, not, not just in the area of MMIW, um, but water, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The, the whole idea that water is sacred and the whole thing behind the pipelines and all of those things, I've kind of have my 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 foot or hands into into all of that because it all come it's all we're all working towards the same you know end result you know it really is it all just comes together it's all we all work together on those issues yes um, and you know I I kind of think in terms of be, being an activist I feel like I'm an activist in a mm-hmm. in a low-key way I mean I'm not gonna go get arrested but I'm a little <laughs> too old for that <laughs> but but I want to be supportive and oh yeah Lily has done a lot of things with the MIW which is missing and murdered indigenous women and can you tell us a little bit of some of the because people, you know, I'm not sure where people are going to be listening from, mm-hmm. you know, but I think they need to understand a little bit what we have faced here in South Dakota, but not just sure. South Dakota, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's the resvi- wherever there's reservation or wherever there's uh, Native women. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, and kind of getting back to the Red Ribbon Skirt Society, that was one of the reasons that, you know, as I began to pay attention to MMIW, what does this mean and, and what is this movement about? And I began to research it and say, and like, oh, okay, this is what this is. Okay. And as I did that, one of the first things that came to me um, was, I wonder what is going on with these families. You know, how are they how are they dealing with and and, and because, you know, when we lose someone, we, we of course we grieve and and it's a long grieving process and we never get over it. Mm-hmm. I, I always share this story is that, um, you know, having lost having lost my son, you know, and, and my mother having lost my brother, um, I watched her and, and experienced her grief through her silence and watching her sit on the edge of the bed and listening to her her cry at night and you know during that time you know being a teenager i'm like what what can i do you know how can i help her and kind of what kind of what i found through this whole process you know having gone through that and and lost a brother and and losing a son we we feel very isolated 
in that process of grieving. And we get to a point where we don't want to bother anybody. You know, um, it's kind of like, I, you know, we, wanna, we don't want to bother anybody because are they tired of listening to this? Exactly. Exactly. Do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I know exactly what you mm-hmm. mean there. Yeah. Is that because during that extreme grieving process, which is right away, of course, you know, I sharing how I felt, you know, I was 18 years old when this happened. Mm-hmm. And what it did was like take a rug from out from under me. I mm-hmm. realized that anything can happen. And and just a snap of a finger, it can happen and you have you have no idea it's going to happen sometimes there. You look back and you see some signs that but when you're 18 you don't mm-hmm. think about things like that. And sure. I I remember getting the phone call from my dad. I was in nurses training at Sioux Falls. And he told me what had happened to my sister. And from that time on, it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but perhaps mm-hmm. a lack of trust that things were just going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because I found out sometimes they aren't, and mm-hmm. and that was really truly the first first death I had ever. I mean, my grandfathers had died when I was very young, and I didn't know them, you know. Mm-hmm. And but I didn't know anybody. It wasn't like I I had any high school friends that had died or anybody else. So that was quite a shock and. I can't imagine how it would be as a mother. I just, yeah. Well, you know, and and, and part of that, you know, the um, process, the grieving process is I had to figure out how I could help my children, you know. Yes. How I could help my children. And and so, you know, we started up, an, uh, I started up a nonprofit named after my son, Seamus. And then um, it was like, okay, so now we got let's start doing some things, you know. Let's start doing some, keeping them busy, um, you know. Kind of like, okay, we're doing this for your brother, you know, to to help them through that process of grieving. And so that's kind of how this 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 work started for me, okay. And so as I begin to kind of look at MMIW, and uh, that was uh, getting back to what you know, what are these families doing? You know, what, how are they dealing with this? And I always share the story is that, you know, when I lost my son, I was able to bury him. I had I had that that part of the, the closure to, to be able to bury him and have a service for him. Whereas all of our MMIWs, their their children are lost. Their, you know, um, their son, their daughters, their aunties, they don't have that closure. And for me, you know, the logo, um, you know, or not the logo, but the saying is, I was saying her name. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's really important. And it's okay to say her name, you know? And so I just started messaging, you know, uh, finding people who lost somebody and messaged them. And they didn't know who I was, you know? And you know, I just told him well, I'm just I'm just checking in on you because I know that you lost a daughter, and I just want to see how you are. And they were so overwhelmed. 
especially the one family from from Rosebud, the mother. Nobody had asked her in 30 years, you know, how are you doing? You know, I didn't know her, but I had, had gone online to see what had happened to her daughter. And she was so grateful that somebody had actually asked how she was and to say her daughter's name, you know. And so we built a relationship just through that. What I'd like to share is that she kind of came out of her shell. Yes, there was a healing. Uh, Obviously, that's what she, that was one part that she Mm -hmm. needed for healing in her heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And, and so she you know, just kind of getting to know her through Facebook. And then I actually had her come up to Rapid City and had them do a story with her um, and talk about her daughter, Richenda. You know, I I was a little bit taken back when I saw her because she's so much older than her age because, you know, death ages us. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she came up, she told her story, and um, she had her other children with her. And... It was it was good to see that happen, you know, and and we make sure as a society to remember, of course, all of all of those that we've lost, and and you know, and we do that by, of course, creating our our center for healing and prayer and remembrance, um, which is in Racing Magpie, which is right next door to my um, in the same building right next door to my my bookstore. And, you know, we have the names there of, of those women that had been lost, um, children, the two-spirit. And it, it is a place where people come and community come because we're, for those that are still missing, where do they go? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, where right. do they go to pray and remember? Um, and so that space allows that to happen and allows them to come there, you know, like even during Valentine's Day and bring a valentine. And for their birthdays, um, to hold to hold ceremony there, which we've done a few times for um, some women that have been found, um, you know, murdered. You know, we've had grandmas come up, and we have um, a person that does our prayers for us come and, and um, smudge and uh, do all of those sorts of things. And I know one of the one of the girls on a rosebud. I think it was last probably last summer that um, they had found she had been missing and she had been found. You know, we stayed up all night. We we got a dress for her, a red dress. We we put it in the healing room. We put her picture on the dress. We stayed up until dusk with, with that dress. Okay. That was our way of sharing that loss with the family. And okay. then, of course, can, yeah, I'm sorry. No, uh, can you kind of explain to the to our listeners about the red dress? You know, the red dress movement has it kind of filtered down from Canada. Part of the whole red dress, as we are told, is that you know the spirits can see red, and so the red dress is really a, a symbol of um, missing and murdered Indigenous women. Um, and like I said, it came down from Canada, and then and then all of us, you know, own that that symbol, and and of course, you know, the spirits can see red. That's a big part of that, um, and so that's that's why we use that's the symbol that we use, as well as the other symbol um, some community uses, the red hand um, over the mouth, um, which means that that 
that we won't be silenced um, in the injustices that have been done to our missing and murdered Indigenous women. Um, so that's where the red dress came from. Okay, and I kind of knew that, but I, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people don't. Sure. Uh, I'm going to share something with you that I have made a decision, and my decision is my my sister is in another state. She mm-hmm. passed away in another state and was buried there, and I I have decided that soon. Mm-hmm. I'm go. I'm going to get her, and have her brought back. I'm go- going to bring her back here. Yes, because mm-hmm. this is where she's from. She's Okalala Lakota, and mm-hmm. there's nobody back there anymore. I mean, th- at one time there was a lot of family back there, but um, mm-hmm. my mom and dad lived there for many years, over thirty years, and but now now they're laid to rest on the reservation and mm-hmm. i want her close by sure. and part of that decision made was kind kind of finally confronting my feelings and mm-hmm. he, healing a little bit that now i can do that mhm yeah yeah that's pretty amazing sandy um you know to bring her home and anything that we can do, you know, to help you with that, we sure, you know, welcome that, you know, to support you uh, in doing that. And, um, you know, anything that we can do, um, you know, please, please let us know. We're here to we're here to support you. Well, you, part you, <laughs> having visited with you and having gotten involved in this project, you know, has been such a healing part for me that mm-hmm. um, y- you've done it, you know, you've helped me, you've helped uh, even my daughter, you know, she's named after my, my sister, our mm-hmm. middle name is, and and it, it has impacted her in a great way, too, you know, so... Sure. So I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so what? what's your plans going on you know well for one thing i did want to ask you how mm-hmm. is this quarantine thing affecting you oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah right um well you know um i'm I, i'm okay you know i'm actually going to here in a couple of days i'm going to do just a little video you know on my phone and and start to talk about MMIW and and what people can do in their communities because uh, May 5th is um, day of awareness for MMIW oh, okay yeah because we can't with all of this tragedy and, and all of this going on right now in the world we cannot forget we cannot forget those that we have lost you know we can't for, forget our missing and murdered indigenous women children and two spirit. You know, we still we we still gotta pray for them. You know, um, I have an altar set up in, in my home, so every morning when we do get up, you know, we um, we burn sage, we have cedar, um, we have tobacco. Um, we make sure to continue to pray for everybody's health and safety, and we always do a prayer for our MMIW as well. Um, so even though I'm in my home, I'm still continuing the work. I've been on a couple of um, webinars talking about 
and domestic violence um, with some other organizations across the state. And we'll be doing a, a Zoom event with some of the some of the group young girls groups uh, group in uh, Minneapolis, and I'll be doing that with my daughter, and also working on some type of an art project with them as well online. So I'm still I still am staying busy doing that sort of work online, just like I'm doing that with you today. I'm starting my garden because we're all we're all planting now, you know. Yes. Uh, so um, I'm going to be actually we've been planting just started planting yesterday. So we slowly are planting our gardens, and you know I put out my tobacco and I pray. And um, of course, what I probably will do is make sure I'm going to have like a little center garden, uh, flower garden in the middle of my car, my garden, and of course dedicate that to, for, to prayer um, and a place for our MMIW. I've just I've just taken this on. Uh, you know, continue to do the work in MMIW for as long as I live. Um, I'm so committed to this because it's it's really about the families and and those women and how we can how how we can help them. You know. Yes, and you know, if if there's any good thing, which I always do like to look for the good. You know, sure. Yeah. It's is that people have a little more time to to visit with one another and mm-hmm. we we do need to get back to that to the earth and to do, to doing our gardens and to be a little more self-sufficient and mm-hmm. uh because we realize i think society has become so throwaway you know we we, oh, yeah. ha- we have too much milk so we just throw it away and and mm-hmm. now we're utilizing everything we have because we realize the value of it but you know is there anything else that to to end you'd like to say um you know i i guess the only thing i would say and share is that you know continue to pray for our for our our people you know not just our our, um, indigenous people but for people all over the world that are suffering um, and remember, you know, each day that when you wake up and, and you're fortunate to have be in a home, that there are those out there that are suffering, you know, especially homeless. Yes. Uh, yeah, especially homeless and especially for those women that are um, in those situations where they're dealing with domestic violence and they have nowhere to go. Um, they're stuck in their homes. They can't escape. Um, and especially for the children that have to see that going on. You and know. it can cause scarring for life. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am just so honored that you took time to visit with me. And, and I would say for sure, of course, you know, I think of the Lakota values. And I um, not only not only do you have the value of generosity, but you have the value of courage to be standing up. And I know, you know, some people don't think it's important. And that's why you're educating them and you're standing up to show them the importance. Nobody's a throwaway. You know? Oh, yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. is. And your movement and what you have done, and that has shown us that and shown the people that need to hear it. <laughs> so, and you know, and one of the one of the things that I, I want to share real quickly is that you know, women, you know, we we look to the to our younger women. We've been a, to pass the torch to, 
but I believe if if we continue to pass those torches, we lose more women. So it's okay for us, especially like you, Sandy, you're doing this. This is very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Continue to carry that torch, you know, Um, because the more that we can pass it on and keep that torch and keep teaching and and modeling that behavior um, to be a good human is going to keep us strong. Well, you know, Lily, I I absolutely do not know what I'm doing on this podcast. When, well, you know, I know what you're doing, <laughs> but but I'm learning, and oh, yeah. and yeah. I've you know I'm just doing the best I can, and I am so thankful for my friends that ha- are willing to speak, and we're going to get it out. And when when, mm-hmm. when I do, I'll let you know. And okay. and and thank you so much. Okay. All, All right. right. Okay, bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our segment. You know, I I enjoy visiting with the people. And if you did, go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it or if you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us and... I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend, Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila, thank you for joining us.